Good morning. Today's passage comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Thank you, Larry. Well, good morning. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and friends and I hope you were thankful uh, in this wonderful season to reflect upon all that God has given us in his goodness because God is good and he loves us, loves to bless us. So I hope it was a time of rejoicing for you, a time of thankfulness. I don't think anybody was more thankful than Brandy Cochran who won $7.7 million in a lawsuit against The Price is Right because she was a former model on The Price is Right and they didn't take her back after she gave birth to her children and they said, uh, we don't want you back, you're 41 and, and you're not quite having the look that we need. And so she went to court and won $7.7 million. Lawsuits all over this country, isn't there? Most of them are frivolous. And we, we, we can't even believe that any of them even get before a judge because they're absurd, many of them that take place. There's actually, as I was studying all the lawsuits going on, there's actually a lot of lawsuits that come out from our prisoners. And I just want to share a few of those with you. One prisoner sued over being served three cheese sandwiches a day for one week while he was in disciplinary confinement. It's like, I, I need more than cheese. And he's in prison. So he sued that the fact he had cheese sandwiches. One prisoner sued because he was required to eat off of a paper plate. That's just unacceptable. Paper plate. One prisoner sued saying, I demand that I have fruit juice served at my meals and three pancakes instead of two. A lawsuit went to court. And finally, in line with the Thanksgiving holiday, there was a prisoner who was enjoying his Thanksgiving meal, 
and he ended up suing the state because he found gristle in his turkey leg. Just unbelievable, not acceptable. And so he went to court over his turkey leg. They're absurd. They're ridiculous. But lawsuits happen more and more every day. And the thing is, is that we even fall into that. Paul, as he addresses the Corinthian church, addresses a church that, according to William Barclay, was a church that was in a community that was very litigious. Lawsuits were happening all the time. And not only that, but they were, they were a big show. People loved the lawsuits. They would show up into the court and it became a big deal and people would gather together and they loved the battle to see who would win the case as it went back and forth. Hmm. Does that sound like us a little bit? You know some of the number one shows going on in America today? Can you name her? Judge Judy. You know, I was just in Hollywood uh, this week with some dear friends, and we were walking along the, the Walk of Fame, the, the stars. And as we're walking along, we're seeing all kinds of stars, Bob Hope and all these stars, and it's just fantastic. I didn't, I didn't know all the stars that were there. And sure enough, as we're walking along, Judge Judy has a star. You know why she has a star? Because people love lawsuits. And they love to see the battle. And you know what? We, as followers of Christ, we get caught up in that too. And Paul is dealing with that in the church family. He's dealing with a church family that is attacking each other with lawsuits. And so he speaks to this problem. And he also provides a solution. The problem is, is that they were going to law... Before the unrighteous, which he says is an utter failure that this is taking place. You're, you're suing one another, and not only are you suing each other, but you're going into a court with people who have nothing to do with godliness. And I'm sure as he's writing this, he's reflecting on Acts 18, where Paul was brought before the court, the Roman court system. Gallio is there. And the Jewish leaders in the Jewish synagogue bring Paul to court. Gallio hears the case. And again, there are lots of people gathered. Gallio hears the case, and, and he thinks it's absolutely absurd. And so he throws it out. He kicks it out of court. And what happens is the, the Jews and the leaders of the synagogue are absolutely ridiculed. These people, these followers of God, are shamed and ridiculed. And so I'm sure as Paul is writing these words, he's reflecting on his time as he went before the court system. He's saying, you're bringing these things that have to do with spiritual matters and things that have to do with godliness and faith, and you're bringing those before an ungodly court system. And then he provides a solution. He says, I want you to take these issues, these grievances before the saints. Well, what type of lawsuits are we talking about? I think what Paul is referring to is, as he talks about these things that pertain to life, I think he's talking about things that deal with, with areas where we're, we're lacking, someone took from us, uh, issues with food, issues with clothing, provision for our lives, issues with uh, property damage. Maybe someone owes you money for work that you've done. 
and they're not paying you. Issues like that, civil issues in the community. Not, I don't think he's referring to criminal activity where someone has wounded you, that there's been abuse. Uh, Romans 13 reminds us that God has put into place authorities to rule over these things and to make judgment. But he's dealing with, with these, these, these smaller grievances that we have with each other that, that deal with our things pertaining to our life, our daily living, where we need justice. He says, I want you to bring those before the saints. One thing I want to make very clear is that Paul is not opposed to the court system or using the court system. Actually, he thinks it's good in many, many ways. And he used it to his benefit. And he was, was rewarded uh, in the court system and acknowledged as Roman citizen in the court system. So he's not against going to court, but he is speaking against those in the body of Christ, which we are the temple. Remember that? That's the whole theme for all of Corinthians. We are the temple. We are the body of Christ together. And he says, as a body of Christ, that we are not to take each other to court. We shouldn't be suing each other over these matters pertaining to life, these disputes of wages that maybe need to be paid or things of that nature. And he's very strong in this. He says in verse 2, he says, don't you know, don't you know, he says, he says Do, don't you know, six times in chapter 6. It's like, don't you get it? Don't you know about the way that God has life for you in the church family? And if you don't know, you need to know. You need to understand the way the Lord leads our lives and what he has for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Don't you know? And what he says is, don't you know, the first one is, don't you know that we will judge the world with God? That we're part of that? And a lot of times, you know, and probably when you first read this, you're like, no, I didn't actually know that. <laughs> we judge the world? But he's wanting to make it very clear. Don't you understand who you are in Christ and what, what it will look like in the eternal perspective of things? Revelation speaks to that. It says, I saw the thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them, the saints. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's New Testament revelation. We see in Daniel, Old Testament, speaking to the saints being involved in God's kingdom as those who will judge. And it says in Daniel 7, there was a great war and then sovereignty and dominion and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven, they will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Old Testament prophecy speaking to the ruling, the judgment of the saints. Now let me be very clear. I don't think we, we ever will fully grasp how that's going to play out. We just don't get it. But God says he's going to involve us in judging with him. That he's going to take those who are followers of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to judge that which is unrighteous. And so we go, okay, Father, I don't know how you're going to do that, but somehow you're including us, the saints, those who love Jesus Christ, have surrendered their life to him. Peter says, don't you understand that if we endure with him, we will reign with him? 
And then it says, don't you know that you also judge the angels? No, I actually didn't know that. Peter speaks to God judging the angels. And I think what Paul's doing here, because there's nowhere else in Scripture that we see us, the saints, judging angels. I think what Paul's doing is making connection with God has given us authority as saints in the eternal perspective when the, the days come, the final days in eternity, in the millennium, if we believe in the, in the millennium, that there will be a reigning with him and we will judge and we also judge the angels. And because we're with God in those things, that, that we as saints too will be part of the judgment over the angels. And again, how that plays out and what that really looks like, uh, I think we'd be foolish to say we knew how that looked. But God is going to include us. And so I, I think here's what the big picture is. Don't you know, don't you know, don't you know. You have disagreement in your midst in the body of Christ. Don't you know that God's given you authority and eternal things? So don't you believe that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has given you authority and wisdom and insight of his truth to judge these earthly matters, these civil disputes, these, these areas where we have disagreement. Don't you think that he's given us enough godly wisdom and insight to handle these matters as a body of Christ, these spiritual matters? I think that's what he's getting to. And the, the, the answer to that is yes, he has. Isn't there anybody wise enough in your midst? Yeah, there is. And he's kind of slapping the Corinthians in the face, isn't he? Because the Corinthians were all about their wisdom, remember? Sophists. We are the wise ones. We always seek out the great philosophers, the great leaders. Everything about us is knowledge and wisdom. Don't you know? Ooh, slap in the face. I guess we don't. Well, you need to know. You need to know that you will have authority. And so he goes on in verse 4. And I just want to read, I'm going to read out of the message, which is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. I just like the way he words things. Verse 4 is, As these disagreements and wrongs surface in your midst, why would you ever entrust them to the judgment of people that you don't trust with any other matters or in any other way? Why all of a sudden are you entrusting these spiritual issues with people you don't trust, period, in life, but you're taking your disputes to them? It's kind of like going to your, your uncle, your unbelieving uncle who's been divorced four times, and saying, Uncle, help me understand how I, how I stay together with my wife, because I really want to love her well. Teach me your ways, oh, uncle, divorced four times. <laughs> it's foolishness, right? It's foolish. He has no understanding of how to deal with those matters. And that's what Paul's getting at. Why are you taking these things before those who don't understand these matters? They're spiritual. And we in the church should try to deal with them. He says this. He goes on. This is, the, the, again, the message. Verse 5. I say this to you as bluntly as I can to wake you up to the stupidity of what you're doing. Is it possible that there isn't one level-headed person among you who can make fair decisions? 
when disagreements and disputes come up. I don't believe it. And here you are, you're taking each other to court before people who don't even believe in God. How can they render justice if they don't believe in the God of justice? These court cases are an ugly blot on your community. Wouldn't it be far better just to take it, to let yourselves be wrong and to move on? All you're doing is providing fuel for more wrong, for more injustice. You're bringing more hurt to the people of your own spiritual family. Saying, listen, we're the temple. We're the temple. Do you remember the purpose of the temple? As people would come to to sacrifice and to worship. What's the purpose of the temple, dear saints? To glorify God. To glorify God. And we somehow think that we can just go ahead and keep attacking each other and keep doing incredible damage to each other and not defile the temple and not really take the name of God and and it just goes in the mud because people look at us and the way we're loving each other or basically not loving each other. You say, no, this isn't what God has for you. Yeah, you know what? We are going to have disagreements. We are going to wrong each other. But let's deal with these things in this body. Let's work together to make things right, to forgive one another. Because when we all of a sudden sue each other, he's saying, you've lost already. That first day that you went into battle, you've lost. And the whole world knows it. They're looking at all your junk. And they're going, what God is this? Why would I want to follow that God? You know, it's kind of like, I just was watching some football yesterday. Ohio State went 12-0, and undefeated. Every time they stepped onto the field for battle, they won. But here's the truth. They lost from the beginning. You see, Ohio State broke all kinds of NCAA rules, and so there will be no championship for them. There will be no bowl game. They won on from the very first game into battle, and they lost. You know, it's interesting, the, 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 reporter, the reporter went up to the coach. Coach, you just won 12-0. and 0. Man, it's just amazing. What an incredible season. But you're not going to be able to be in the championship or a bowl game. How do you feel? <laughs> because everybody knew the scandal. Everybody knew their junk. They lost already. You say, when we go into battle like that with each other, it just shows what's going on. It shows what's going on in our hearts. The world is watching. God's name is not glorified in that. And everybody's going, how does it feel? It's a joke. It's a joke. Paul's pretty strong here. Because again, Paul serves a holy God like you and I do. And that's the big picture is we, we forget that often. We forget we serve a holy God. We forget he's pure and righteous and good. We think we can just live these Christian lives however the heck we want and that God will be fine with that. It's not true. He calls us to account. He calls us to follow, to be obedient to his truth. 
He gives us life. But he says, we've lost already. He says, it'd be so much better if you just took it rather than be the victor. And Paul's instructions to the Corinthian church and for all of us can only be understood, really, as our minds are renewed to go, you know what? We live by a whole other system, value system. We live in a whole other economy, God's economy. His teachings are so opposite of what the world says. The world says, go into battle, and every game you win, you go, yes, I won. And we like that, don't we? We love it when we go into battle, and if we do do a lawsuit, I won my lawsuit. It was awfully messy, but I won it. And the damage that won out from that, but I won. Nobody won. God's economy... And to be a follower of Jesus Christ is so contrary to what the world has. Every time Jesus would go up to his disciples and say, Hey, if you want to follow me, what do we do? Take up your cross. You really want to be a disciple of mine? You take up your cross. The Christian is a person whose life is dominated and directed by the cross of Calvary. That's so contrary to what the world says. It was on the cross of Calvary that our Lord was wronged. And that brought about our salvation. Why in the world would you go on to the shameful cross so that we would have life as we believed upon Him? The teachings of Jesus are so opposite. Don't retaliate evil with evil, but return, what? Good for evil. If someone says to you, hey, come walk with me a mile, go with him too. This is God's way of living life in the body of Christ and in the community. It's not about going out and going into battle, putting out lawsuits against one another that defile the temple of God this beautiful temple of God. We're just part of it, right? We're part of the bigger, beautiful temple of God. His church, His bride. A holy God whom we serve. He says, I want you, instead of taking it to the courts who don't get spiritual things, I want you to take it to the saints. Well, what does that look like practically? How does that play out? So I just want to tell you, we've had several instances in this church family where there's been some grievances against another. And it's, it's usually come with, with something like, I did work for this person and they didn't pay me what they promised to pay me. Something to that effect. And so, instead of going to court, these people came to us in the leadership of the church. And we walked it through. And we worked out payment plans. And, and we talked through what was the promise, what was the commitment. And we sought God together. Because they're spiritual matters in the body of Christ. Well, you, you go to the court system, they don't give a rip about you as a person. The lawyers are just trying to win the case and make more money. He says, no, don't, don't put it to the ungodly who don't understand who you are as a spiritual person. Bring it to the godly so that we can forgive each other, so that we can make things right before the Lord, so that we can continue to have life together. And as we work these things out, 
in the power of Christ, guess what? God is glorified. God's glorified. We're not airing out all of our dirty laundry to the whole community. Here's what we're all about. We hate each other here. It's now we seek reconciliation and forgiveness. And it's hard sometimes. It just is. But we're not to be having lawsuits against one another. We should not be suing each other, the saints, the body of Christ, over matters of civil issues. And so he speaks strongly to us about that. You know, one of the beautiful things about this church family is we have a lot of lawyers in this church. And you know what? That's great. Because we can, we can seek their wisdom. Because they're godly lawyers. I know that's an oxymoron sometimes. <laughs> but they're, they're godly men and women. Sorry, Bob. Just getting there. No, but you know what? These beautiful lawyers in our church family who are seeking God's wisdom all the time, but that's what we do. We seek their counsel. They know matters of the law. It would be foolish of us as pastors and elders not to, to seek their counsel so that we can love each other. You, you, see, you see, Paul is so concerned in, in these chapters of Corinthians, these first six chapters, he's so concerned about the unity of the body of Christ and about us loving each other and and everything was about damaging one another. He's like, ah, oh, it's got to stop. He wants us to keep moving towards each other. He says it's better that you just take the hit. Why is it better? Why work it out when you can sue? It's better to take the hit because that's who Christ was. It's him who humbled himself to the point of the cross. It's better to take the hit because that's what love is about, loving each other. It's a surrender. It's allowing God to work in the middle of, of a real painful situation. It doesn't mean that you have to be a total victim and lay as a doormat. It's not that at all, ever. But it's seeking spiritual matters that, that where there's been some wrong done to you and doing that with the body of Christ so that we together can seek the Lord versus the foolish thinking of the courts who don't have anything to do with God most of the time. It preserves our unity in the body. It reminds us that we are the temple of God and we serve a holy God and so we try to live for Him. These are His standards of holiness and Christian living. And so when we attack each other with lawsuits, we attack the temple. We defile the temple. That which was meant to glorify Him. And it confuses the world who is looking for love and life which God wants to be reflected in his church. And so Paul's words are very strong. He's saying, hey, listen, this cannot be in your midst. As followers of Jesus Christ, there cannot be lawsuits in your midst. And I have a video I want to show you because I think it's exactly the words that Paul would use to the saints, to us and, and to the saints in Corinth, and to remind us of when we decide to enter into behavior that's destructive, that's going to do damage, there's some great wisdom, and it comes from Bob Newhart. That's the original Greek of Paul to the saints. It really is. It's stop it. 
Dear saints, don't keep attacking each other with lawsuits like this. This is not of the people of God. Stop it. And the reason we stop it is because that's not who we are as children of God. There used to be a lifestyle of that. People who are not of God live in a way that is damaging and destructive, live with behavior that is sinful and continue to sin against God. And that's that list. It's not an exhaustive list. He's just saying, listen, those who who continue to have a, a life and a lifestyle that lives in sin against God, they're not people of God. They do not inherit the kingdom of God. And he speaks strongly to them, reminding them of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You see, to to live this sinful life and to kick against God and say, I want nothing to do with you, say, you will not inherit the kingdom. And somehow we, we get into this foolish thinking that says, you know what? I can keep doing whatever I want in my life. I can keep sinning, living in the flesh. I don't have to accept God as my Lord and Savior. I can keep just showing up at church and pretending that I'm godly. And he's saying, that's not of God. You can't just show up to the Thanksgiving banquet table with the King of Kings with an evil heart like that. We will not sup with him. Do you want to know why? Because he's holy. Heaven is a place for people who are holy. That means that we've been washed and cleansed by God. That we've surrendered our life to him. It's always strong teaching when, when we deal with hell, separation from God. Paul doesn't shy away from it. We get a little nervous about it. Like, well, you know, am I in or am I out? He's just saying, he's speaking to your heart, all of our hearts. Listen, this is not who you are. This is not who you are. Those who live a lifestyle where they're going to still rip each other off and still sue each other and just bring evil and defile the church and they do that over and over again and they have nothing in the Lord, they're not part of the kingdom. So it's not only a wake-up call, but it's a reminder of you need to remember who you are. You can stop it because you're saved. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You can stop it because he is your Lord. And he, we are sons and daughters. That's our identity in Christ. Look at verse 11. This is the key verse. That whole list. That's what some of you were. Basically saying, listen, our lifestyle in the flesh, this is what we were. We were greedy. We were sexually immoral. This was our lifestyle. This was our choice in life. We were enslaved to this sin without God. That's what we were. But here's the good news. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We all used to be this way, but then we were saved. And that was the past. We chose to live a life obedient and surrendered to Christ. And that salvation includes repentance. That we, we say, you know what, Lord, I agree with you. I agree with you that, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I agree with you that your ways are right and true. And I agree with you that I want to live in righteousness and truth. 
repentance. And salvation is that process of turning from darkness to light. That's the good news. And that's what he does in each of us as we surrender our life to Christ. When we live a life where we choose sin and to be separate from God, he's saying there's no inheritance for those. But we have salvation and we have inheritance. The gospel is about sinners who have turned from sin to righteousness and turning away from those things that were ungodly. The thing that's beautiful is that God takes us broken people and he makes us whole. When you think of, of that list of people, and you know, people who go to jail and they've served their time and then they come out of prison, we still call them ex-cons, don't we? They're ex-convicts. And quite honestly, even though they've served their time, they come out, they can't get work or anything because they're still on the list. People know your background. But here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't, you don't show up in heaven. Oh, you're an ex-thief. You're an ex-immoral person. No, no. We've been transformed. We are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5. We are absolutely new. So we stand before God, washed, holy, pure, And he, the Lord, Jesus, stands before the Lord with us as children and says, Father, this is my son. This is my daughter. Let's welcome them into the kingdom of God. Not, here's the old ex-thief, because that's not who you are anymore. Do you see what Paul's saying? You used to be that way, but God got a hold of your life. And now here's who you are. So we don't live the way that we used to. And we have been empowered to live in a way that is righteous. Yes, we will sin and we will fall short. But we do not have to sin. We do not have to continue in the pattern. We are no longer enslaved to sin. And that's why he's going, Oh, oy vey, you're killing each other with these lawsuits. That's not of God. That's not what godly people do. That's not how they live and reflect the glory of God. You are a people who are washed and cleansed and pure. And so now we live life surrendered and full of the power of the Holy Spirit to live in righteousness and actually love each other and to forgive each other. And in that, we glorify our Lord and Savior. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your goodness to us. And Father, I just pray this morning that you would work in our midst. Forgive us, Father, when we, when we attack each other, and especially when we're even thinking about attacking each other with a lawsuit. Father, grab a hold of that, and we surrender that to you. Give us wisdom on how to deal with things when we've been wronged. Help us, Heavenly Father, and this church family to move towards each other, to love each other well, to offer forgiveness, to be reconciled one to the other. And Lord, when there is a dispute that we would have these matters in a spiritual court that glorifies you, that that reconciliation would take place. Thank you, Father, that we are washed, that we are cleansed, that we are pure before you. And this morning, as as we have communion, Father, 
may we reflect upon the washing, the forgiveness that you offered us because of the cross. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.